we want to introduce you to our newest partner here in the fish tank. Yes, Planet Protein, a South Florida plant-based nutrition company providing rapid-fire nutrition for tough times in our lives. Featuring peanut butter cup, cherry Ooh. almond fudge, and the incredible chocolate magic protein shake mix juice, Planet Protein is the one-stop solution to keep your day going. Yeah, whether you're suiting up for Sunday. Now, you know something about that, don't yeah, you, Just juice? a little bit, or you know, watching from home. I know about that. A lot about that, right? <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Everyone has a need for quick, delicious, and nutrient dense solutions for go time and each product is packed with 20 grams of plant-based protein and superfoods to amplify your place in the game of life and guess what juice we've got a great deal for our listeners use the code fish tank that's all capital letters all one word fish tank and receive 20 percent off all purchases at planetprotein.com and also check them out on instagram at planet underscore protein you're now diving into the fish tank Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank in the Fish Tank Remote Studios. Seth Levitt here with OJ McDuffie. Juice, how you doing this morning? What's up, Big Seth? Man, I am doing all right. I uh, have been really excited to see the way our network, Five Reasons Sports Network, has been growing. Had a a great time at the watch party uh, not too long ago. Uh, Missed you at that, but I I understand you were... Next time, next time. You got a ritual. You watch the games, you got a ritual. But uh, I'm looking forward to today. You know, we've talked about this in the past. It's great getting the guys who were the quote-unquote superstars and we've had our share of them and had a lot of fun but there's some other folks that have been a part of this Dolphins team that grinded it out had good careers and have great stories to tell one of those guys is right here with us today John Bach man welcome into the tank oh thanks for having me today guys it feels like a Dolphin reunion here that's what's up right there that's what it's supposed to feel like it's exactly what it's supposed to feel like and and it's a special reunion for me John because you and I started our careers in Miami at the same time 1996 Jimmy Johnson's first year you had a little bit cooler job than I did I I remember you came in so i was wide-eyed juice and you know i've told you the story oh, with yeah. me and the fact that i really wasn't even supposed to talk to you and i did <laughs> um but but bach came in as a free agent guy and he was what i thought if you had to define what the grizzly yeah. veteran i didn't realize it was only your second year in the league man i would have thought it was 15 for you <laughs> the way you walked around that locker room but uh the, the persona of john bach to me was this dude that you know he would smoke he would fight he would you know offensive lineman he was gritty but for whatever reason my very first memory of you was you went through a handful of roommates in that first training camp. <laughs> yeah, it was hard for me to keep a roommate. Uh, <laughs> Why was that? Well, the, the funniest way it all started is, is it was my first game, and we were playing New England at New England here. Now, I had been, been with the Jets and the Bills before here, so we got off after meetings, and I went outside to have a cigarette. And it might have been you and the trainers came cruising around in a van and stopped and jumped out. You're like, you're not allowed to be outside the hotel. Wouldn't have been me. <laughs> so, you know, Jimmy doesn't allow that. And I said, well, what do you mean? I go, I played everywhere else. We always had free time to get out in the city if we want, as long as we were home by curfew. And they go, no, 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 that's not the way it works. So Craig Erickson was my roommate. So I go to sleep. I wake up. The the next morning and I go down to breakfast and Bernie Kosar's there and Bernie asked me she goes what the hell did you do to Craig last night and I go what do you mean I, and I look over at Craig and his eyes are bloodshot he hadn't slept all night because of my snoring 
And then it, supposedly it was so loud, the people in the next room were beating on the wall to try to get me to stop snoring as loud as I was. Now, were they just regular hotel cats, or were they other guys from the team? No, other guys from the team, because we had the whole floor. Right. So Damn. even they could hear me. Right. Man, oh, John. And then, uh, so just Craig, then how many other guys do you have to go through before we finally figure this thing out? It was about three. I think James Brown was there, because him and I had played together and were roommates in New York. I had a guy named Dunstan Anderson. Dunstan Anderson, DA, man. DA, yeah. 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 And then finally, everybody just realized that you know, let's just get Baca's own room. <laughs> right. So they would give Marino's own room, and I would get my own room, and I'd have to get upcharged for it. So I wound up having the room, my room to myself for the rest of my career here. Empty rooms on both sides, you as well, then? Pretty too? much. They, they, they needed that. So, you know. Sounds like it was a little strategic, Bach. Yeah, it might have been. Hey, that's, like a, that's a good move right there. You know, as a center to Baca, your main responsibility is to develop some chemistry with your quarterback. And, of course, we know in 96 who the quarterback for the team was. You know, what was that like coming to Miami? You have to block for Marino. And was there ever an I made it moment with Danny? I, I believe there was. You know, and I was pretty fortunate. I was with Jim Kelly in, in Buffalo. And I was Boomer, Esaias, and Neil Donnell in New York before I came here. So, but I grew up with Marino, and I, I still have a, you know, I still have a picture of me as a kid wearing 13 jersey. So I, I was a huge fan of Dan and, and intimidated. And he also had Bernie Kosar on that mm-hmm. team as well. So I get my first start here against uh, the Jets. It was a team that had let me go after I played well for them. Found out I'm starting about 10 minutes, four minutes before kickoff. <laughs> I'm starting. That sounds How, like that Jimmy stuff. How'd that happen? I don't know. Somehow, like Cal, warm up Cal, Cal, Cal was off and on all week, and then finally, I don't know if they didn't want the pressure on me, knowing that I was going to start, and figured last minute. I think that Jimmy's a psychology guy, so I think it was all planned to begin with. So we're on the, like the 27-yard line. We're going into score, and the Jets moved to a four-week blitz, and the play had come in late. And I couldn't get the call out in time. And Dan's calling for the ball, and we get a delay of game. Dan's lays into me. I call for the damn ball. You give me the damn ball. You do what the hell I tell you, and I'm taking it. And then finally I sit back and go, Dan, if I would have sit there and snapped the ball, your ass would have been sacked. I would have been fired, and we could now we're out of field goal range. So Dan goes, okay, okay. So next play, we hit OJ for a touchdown. Really? On a post route. You remember this, Juice? I don't remember that part of it, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'd never heard the part that, you know, him and Danny got into it, but I'm glad that he, we were right you know, there he held that. I'm glad you held that snap, man. It worked out well for you. It was my job to let him know I knew what I was doing. Right. So we go play Denver the next year, and the same thing happens. And Dan looks at me, and I just look at him and glare back at him. And he goes, okay. He kind of smiled at me and laughed and knew, knew what happened, the exact same scenario. And we threw another post route for a touchdown to, to OJ. Wow. So, it's had, so wow. two of your touchdowns were off delay of game penalties because I couldn't get the ball out because teams were moving late on the blitzes, and I didn't want to get Dan hit. And that's important right there, John. You know, you put on a, a heck of a point right there. You know, the quarterback sees a lot, but the center has to see just as much. The fronts, linebackers, blitzes coming from different ways. You're making the line calls kind of like the quarterback is. And when you guys are on the same page, that's how offense works. I absolutely agree. You have to be on the same page because the, the biggest thing that, that, that can go wrong with an offensive line is unsurety. And, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to get him or am I supposed to get him. The quarterback's not sure if you're picking him up or they're not being picked up on his reads. You know, and, and, and you can get four week and four strong blitzes and all of a sudden you're not doing personnel counts so you're not blocking an end necessarily you're blocking who's ever coming off the edge so if everyone's not on the same page you can get a quarterback hit in a hurry you don't want to get him hit you don't get dan hit take the holding call if you have to yeah right (laughs) (laughs) and you weren't afraid to tell him that that's you know that was the decision making well i just wanted to make sure that he had confidence in me that i knew what i was doing i played all three i'd started all three spots 
you know, right guard, center, left guard, and they even played tight end here. So I knew the offense really well, and we had four different offenses in five years. You know, it was easy for me coming in because it was Gary Stevens. It was the University of Miami offense, which I coached under Howard and played for under Howard Schnellenberger. Mm, so for me coming to Miami was such an easy thing because it was the same calls, it was the same everything that I I ran in college. And that was at Louisville? Yeah, University of Louisville. Got it. What was that like playing for Howard? Because, you know, again, you talk about Grizzly guys, and I know DJ Preach has a, a few Howard Schnellenberger stories as well, but what was that like for you? Well, the best way I can put Louisville is, we took everybody that was too dumb or too mean to go to Miami. <laughs> now, <laughs> which one were you? <laughs> I, was, I was a little bold. <laughs> Some combination of both. I actually, I was recruited by University of Miami, but I had already committed to University of Louisville as a junior. So Jimmy recruited me at Louisville, or when I, recruited me from out of high school, but I, Schnellenberger made the best point to me. He goes, you can go to Miami and you'll play, but you're not going to play to your senior. He goes, you can come in here and play for me and you play as a freshman. Sure enough, we we were not, we were 10-1-1 in the country, won the Fiesta Bowl, beat Alabama 34-6 to after Ooh. being 17-point dogs. That doesn't happen anymore. They had two number one draft choices on their D-line, no sacks, 485 yards throwing with Browning Nagel, and uh, we lit it up. But we had more pro bowlers from Louisville during the class I was there than any other college in America. From 96 and 97, we had more Pro Bowlers. Wow. You think about Ted Washington, you think about Bray Buchanan, Sam Madison, Joe Johnson, the former franchise player. Uh, Out of my class alone at Louisville, this is how good of a job. I mean, nobody knew who Louisville was when, and Schnellenberger sold us on a dream of changing things. And 17 of the 24 of us went to the NFL. Wow. I I always thought Louisville basketball. I never really thought about Louisville football program being the way that. Yeah, Louisville basketball, they were the A players, and we were the B players. (laughs) (laughs) If I had some guys in your football team that could to handle a little bit of those guys in the basketball team. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. We, uh, everybody from Kentucky can hoop. Correct. Not a lot of them can play football, but all of them can hoop. <laughs> and, and half our team was from Florida. But I still remember walking by the, I mean, remember when I was there, our basketball team was team of the 80s. So I still remember walking by the basketball complex and nothing but gold Camrys in the car in the in the parking lot and i didn't get it didn't get it and i said okay yeah boosters are buying them cars they all got a camry deal it's my third year in the nfl and i pull up behind somebody it looks like a camry but it's a lexus and then it dawns on me those weren't camrys those guys were driving they were they were driving lexuses but nobody knew what a lexus was in 1990 that's right good to be on the basketball team in louisville apparently so 96 uh you just talked a little bit about the interaction with dan who was a clear-cut icon at that point in time but 96 was also the rookie season for a guy who unheralded coming in as a fifth round draft choice but went on to become an icon here in South Florida, but he was on the other side of the ball, and that's Zach Thomas. And as much as O.J. said that the center and the quarterback needed to have a good relationship on offense, the center and the middle linebacker like to mix it up a little bit. And I remember you and Zach like to mix it, mix it up a little bit. Well, I think what it was with me, Zach and I is we were both competitive guys that had a high practice tempo. I practiced the same way that I played, and Zach practiced the same way he played. And it's the two of us going head-on-head head all the time. And, the one, <laughs> and really what happened was is – on our rub schemes, and I think the only other person that figured this out was Mawe. If you if you were rubbing to the to the to Zach on a defensive tackle like Tim Bowens or Daryl Gardner, if you put your hand on Timbo, Zach was over the top and you couldn't get him. So what you had to do was you would drop, and then it was called a skinny around. And and I learned it actually from Howard, where you actually have to roll your hips and skinny by. You have to open for the slant in case defensive tackle slanting, and then you have to. It's Howard calling right now to try. Right. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
then you have to then you have to skinny around Timbo to give yourself enough time to get to Zach. Because if you put your hands on Timbo or Daryl Gardner, You're Zach done. was over the top, and that was it. And Zach didn't like that, so that led to a lot of fights with us. The funniest one was as we're getting ready to play New England in the playoffs, and Zach and I get into it on a Friday. Now, who fights on a Friday? But me and Zach. I mean, we're the only two guys ever to fight. They're ready on a to play already. They're ready to go. And I got him by the face, and I'm throwing my body shots to try to get him to pull his head up so I can throw an uppercut. And, and Zach, it's all art of the. Zach, Zach gets all mad and he storms off. He's going to go inside. And Jimmy lets him get all the way to the doors to the complex. Then Jimmy goes, you go in those doors, you're not going to play again. Zach throws his hands down, shakes his head, and gets all around, stomping around mad. So practice ends, and Gary Stevens grabs me. And he goes, man, you're going to break your hand doing that. And I said, Gary, this ain't my first rodeo doing this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I'm sure you, Gary agreed with you. He has to appreciate a little bit, too. You know, you have to. Absolutely. you got to appreciate a guy in the offensive lineman that's willing to, to mix it up a little bit, Big Seth. Well, if there was ever an offensive lineman that was willing to mix it up, he's sitting right here with us now. And I, I, I don't know if this was the same time with Zach, but I, I remember watching a practice, and you had obviously gotten under his skin. Maybe this was the same time, but he pre-snapped. Just, <laughs> just right. You were still, I think you were just looking down at the ball. You hadn't even put your head up yet. And he just bull rushed you and drilled you, knocked you on your ass, and then, you know, smoke there we and go. There we fire go. and all that. So hey, was that the same time? It was the same day. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, but you got to love that about Zach is, you know, he was willing to take the shot on me. He was tired of being bullied by a big offensive lineman. Yeah. And Zach was sticking up for himself saying, you're not going to treat me like this. Yeah, absolutely. And so now he tells, I think Jimmy chewed his ass, as you said, as he was walking off. But then Zach says later on, Jimmy pulled him aside and said, I love that shit. Yeah. So, you know, Jimmy was that kind of a guy. Did you get some of that as well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave wants it as well when yeah. Dave took over for him. And, and that was the way that, you know, we were taught to play at Louisville. Now, it got me in some trouble some year. You know, I, I did the same thing to Perella, but I split his chin open with 13 stitches. So I got fired from Buffalo for that. And then in, in, then in New York, you know, I'd been in a bunch of scraps and USA Today hit everything else. So, you know, like my first day here, my first day here, I fought Tim Bowens. So Tim pushes me. I take the ball on him in the head and we start swinging. And I go home that night and I called my wife. I said, I'm getting fired tonight. I go, what am I? Go, I fought their best defensive player the first day here. I go, oh, they're going to fire me now. <laughs> and probably not the guy that you want to pick a fight with, but I guess first day, that's that, that prison yard mentality. Correct. Juice. Correct. Have to, right? You got to establish yourself in the yard. You know what I mean? And I think Bach did a great job of establishing himself in the yard. You, you need, yeah, you need to sit there and come out and let people know that you're for real, you're serious, and you can't be punked. Because a lot of defensive linemen want to punk you and they want to push you off late and things like that. And you got to sit there and establish the tone early saying, I am not like that. And Kevin Gogan tried to pull that stuff when he came in. And Kevin tried to mess with me one day. And, you know, and I was already mad because. We're on the same side of the ball, though, right? Yeah, Go but, Gogues did that with but Gogan didn't? would sit there and mess with your head inside the locker room to try to get you to, to break down so he could start. And uh, <laughs> and I was mad because I'd played really well the year before. I think I was the third best guard in the in the, in the the NFL sacks per game. I gave up one and a half sacks per 11 games. So I'm sitting there and I go, Kevin, don't confuse performance with reputation. Mm. What's up right there? Yeah, it was a different Gogan down, by the time broke, we got him. He broke down Kevin Donnelly that year. Right. Kevin yeah. Donnelly was never the same because Gogan got on him and rode him all year. He tried to ride me. I said, no, 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 that's not the way this is going to go. <laughs> Messing with the wrong one. Yeah, I, I have no problem getting my getting my butt whooped. So, you know. <laughs> I love that. So, Juice, now, did you know, you know, you guys are in the skilled position. They even got you in another, uh, another uh, section of the locker right, room, right. right? You're totally separated <laughs> from, from the grinders. But did you know which guys were the guys that you don't mess with? Oh, Absolutely. 
and Bacher definitely see Bach's one of those guys that you actually get behind. You know, whenever you whenever Fox I start, you damn right. When I start something in the locker room, I'm gonna get behind Bach because I know Bach, no matter what, he's gonna clean it up. He's gonna he's always got your back, and you figure out the rest later. So if an offensive guy's got a little something going on with somebody on the other side, Bach's always got the offensive guy. He's got their side, you know. And then you just we'll figure the rest out later. So Bacher's a guy that you always want to go go to battle with, no matter what. But you know the great thing is with all the fights and everything else, we all had good relationships. We did. And we left it on the field, and we didn't bring it off the field. And everybody knew it was in the heat of the moment, and we were trying to win games here. You know, everybody forgets that that Dolphin stretch, the five years I was here, we had the best record in the National Football League. We just couldn't beat Denver in the playoffs, and we couldn't beat Jacksonville. And if we would have had a running game, and we tried to get a running game, we went through ten backs trying to find one. Two of them ended up in jail. One's dead. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Tough, tough group. But we did try to get a running back to give Dan some help in a running game to be able to free you guys up a little bit so they could play eight in the box, get you one-on-one coverage, Juice. Well, you know what? I had a lot. I did have some one-on-one. We couldn't get open for him either, neither. So don't blame yourself. We, did a, we didn't do a very good job of giving Danny very many passing lanes either. So uh, it was a tough offense in general. I mean, we, we put a lot of money into that defense, and that defense was great. But our offense just couldn't couldn't get over the hump, and that was a big problem for us. Yeah, if the offense can't score, <laughs> yeah, that is a I big mean, problem. Yeah, I mean, game like 10-9 or 12-6, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, what, what was Dave's line? There's nothing wrong with punting. You yeah, know, that's, well, when you, that's when you know, you know you're in trouble. You're as an in offense. a little bit of trouble as a wide receiver, <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine. Man, you know. Well, great stuff with John Bach. Going to have plenty more stories here after the break. Probably a few more fights uh, to talk about after the break. Well, let's pay some bills. Juice, we'll be right back. Who doesn't want to get an edge over Vegas and the books? Well, give yourself a shot and download the BetQL app. BetQL is the only mobile app that puts all the important research you need to make smart bets in one place with betql you can easily see how the lines have moved and this app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors betql's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical trends you can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day the best part of it all you can download betql for free from your apple or android device now look i should not make a habit of telling you to pause your podcast but as soon as i'm done telling you about betql you need to pause it because if you're looking to be informed when you're making those bets visit your app store or google play right now or head to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart vegas betql is brought to you by the creators of rotoql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 dfs players and of course rotoql is also available for free for download on both your apple and android devices betql get the app now Welcome back to the Fish Tank. As you can see, you know, we got a young, scrappy John Bach here who likes to go against some of the defensive stars on the Dolphins team. Your second year with the team, though, there's another guy that we we draft, another fiery, competitive guy, defensive guy, who will be going to be one of the Dolphins' all-time greats. And uh, also, first ballot Hall of Famer, Mr. Jason Taylor, JT, and uh, who definitely liked to mix it up as well, talked a lot of trash, but he also talks about his rookie year, first scrap he ever got into. He got his ass whooped. You know anything about that, Bacher? It may have been involved there. <laughs> uh, you know, Jason, again, is, again, it's in the heat of camp, and everyone's hot and bothered and, and trying to make the team and, and doing the things that they need to do. And Jason and I had gotten into it, and then Jason came around the back, and he had his helmet off, and there was people between us and, and tried to get me from the back. So I turn around, and I look at him, and, and he's pointing in my face, yelling at me, and there's like two or three guys between us. And I noticed that he's just looking at my right hand. So I hit him with a left. He never saw it coming. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is a rookie, yeah, coming at you, a veteran guy like that. Jason was like he was. That's he had that type of fire that early in his career. Huh? Yeah, Jason's always been a competitor and always been a winner, and, and what a great football player. And you know, it, I went back and, and was really evaluating his career. You know, it's one thing when you, I played with Bruce Smith, and you know, I've played against um, every defensive tackles in the Hall of Fame right now. I've played against from Kennedy and Adams to Russell Maryland and all those guys. Jason wanted to establish himself early, and he could beat you any way he could. But the one thing about Jason, when I look back at his career, is the plays he made at halftime. You know, he always ended up making a huge play at halftime where he could get a score out of it or a fumble and a return. I just never been around anybody with a knack to make plays like that at the end of a half when it was on the line. And, And I think Jason was probably one of the best ever at that. Yeah, Jason, he's definitely a scrappy guy. Did you tell him that when you're going to fight somebody, though, you keep your helmet on? I mean, why is it? I mean, especially, I mean, that was a rookie mistake right there, no? Yeah, it was a big rookie mistake. That's why I hit him. I still remember being in the building because we all go to breakdown meetings and we're all watching film basically at the same speed. All of a sudden, you hear everybody in the building breaking out in different rooms at one time because they had the whole oh, thing no. on film. But the last time I fought Jason, I said, I go, look, Jason, I go, I go, you're a hell of a defensive end, but you can't can't fight worth a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that like? You you rattled off the names, all the guys you, you faced, and here JT just recently, not this year, but the previous year, goes in. First ballot Hall of Famer. You know, you didn't get into the league to be a brawler, but when you have a guy like that say, hey, this guy kicked my ass my rookie year. This guy welcomed me to the league. Does that, you know, is there any sense of pride with that? There's a lot of pride. In fact, the, uh, you know, the biggest compliment I've ever received in my life was JT and Zach. We inducted them in the Ring of Honor here. And during their speeches, they both thanked me for helping make them better players. Mm. Because, again, I gave them the look that they were going to see that week when I was on scout team. And then we were, when we were competitive going one-on-ones, we would do that as well. So, you know, I, I played to make my teammates better. I played to make myself better. And to be thanked by both those great players, that's probably the biggest honor I've ever gotten. You know, John, sometimes that's the hardest thing to see. You know, guys that go out there and they don't put in that work in practice. They don't know the tempo, don't know the speed, don't know how to give the look, you know. And I, and that's important to get guys ready. Same thing for them giving you a look. So what kind of look did Zach and JT give you when we were getting ready for, for a game or whatnot? Oh, they were always all ready to go. They were full-speed players, and just like I was. And I never understood why people wouldn't practice full-speed. Because then how do you make adjustments when some, when you're in the middle of a play and something goes on? If you haven't practiced at full-speed, how, how do you teach your brain to teach your nerves to make your body move the way it does? And I never had, an, you know, I never believed in practicing half speed. Yeah, or, or fighting half speed. <laughs> no, no. You can't do that. You never can't fight half speed. <laughs> so in fairness to John Juice, it wasn't always friendly fire. He didn't only fight with guys who were on his own team. We went out to San Diego one year. Was that 99? What year were we out in San Diego? Oh, that was a good trip, though. Yeah, 90, 98, 98, 98, 98, 98, somewhere 98, in there, 99. Yeah. It was a great trip. We went out there, had a preseason game, went out for a few days early, practiced against those guys. Junior was on those teams. They had a safety there who was known for, for getting a little chippy. He's on TV they, now, right? He's on TV now. Yeah, works for uh, one of the networks. And uh, he wasn't afraid to play after the whistle, and that was kind of his reputation. And I feel like maybe you took a little issue with, with that. Yeah, we were in team practice out there, our last team practice, and Rodney's playing. Rodney Harrison is hitting people late. So finally, <laughs> I, I, no, I for not, long, not Rodney Harrison. Yeah, so Rod, Rodney's acting a fool a little long bit. time. I snatched him by the face and put him on the ground. And next thing you know, everyone circled up around me. And I got Junior Seau coming at me, and I'm dragging Rodney by his face. <laughs> and I'm looking at Junior, and I'm completely surrounded by everybody. And I go, Junior, 
you take one more step, I'm going to break his neck here and leave him for dead. Everybody just calm down and get the hell out of here. I didn't want to start a huge brawl, so I didn't really fight Rodney. I just grabbed him by the face and put him on the ground. So, so they, they disband practice right there and send everybody to the bus. Now, I'm sitting on the third row of the bus. Jimmy comes in and sits on the first row. And Jimmy's, you know, you got that, Jimmy's got that little shake to his head, and he's got his mouth going, talking to himself. and <laughs> Biting that lip, he, right? He's, he turns around and looks at me with the glaring eyes. He turns back, and he does this like two or three times. I'm like, oh, I'm getting fired again. I can, I can feel it now. They stopped practice. You can't hide this. This wasn't an, you know, an in-house incident where it can be swept under the rug. And then finally turns around and he goes, you're captain this week. <laughs> he goes, nobody else would stand up to that little jerk. Damn. Well, right. Rodney had that reputation for a long time. He did. He Great did. player. He, I think he still has it. I mean, he's in, the, in the broadcast booth, he still has it. Did you it. ever encounter that? I mean, you're, you, you were the guy that he was headhunting for. No, no, he didn't, he didn't get at me, man. You got to avoid guys like that. You know, you really do. And uh, I let some of the other guys like the Charlie, you know, Jordans and those guys run into those headaches with guys like Rodney. You know, so it's not it's not in my DNA to, to mix it up with guys. I'm, you know, talking about fights and team fights, man, heck, when we got to team fights, I used to find like Terrell Buckley, you know what I mean? And we'd be off on the <laughs> side act, act, acting like we're fighting. You know, we were play fighting on the edge while, you know, Bach and them were really mixing it up, man. They're too big to be in there. And plus, I need my hands, sir. Yeah, well, the hands are valuable. My hands Those like are your that, money you know? makers. Exactly. W- which is crazy to hear this, Juice, because obviously we just aired not too long ago the story with Daryl, uh, and, and we don't need to relive all that. But, you know, something that you, you went from trying to fight T-Buck. Yeah. To finding well, the biggest guy who maybe ever put on see, a dolphin. That's the thing. You know, I learned, you know, you're big or small. You know, in between, like, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> don't you know mess I mean? with those in-between guys? No, nah, the tweener guys <laughs> you want to stay away from. The Bach. The Bach in the I world? I would never mess with Bach. I would never mess with any, you know, I'm never going to fight anybody big ever. You know, I'll run from those guys when there's not a lot of people <laughs> watching me. Hey, Juice, let's tell the listeners about our newest sponsor, the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. You got it, Big Seth. You can find them at onecalllegal.com or by calling 855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including car accidents, slip and falls, criminal, immigration. Is that it? Actually, no. They handle family, bankruptcy, real estate, wills, trusts and estates, and the list goes on and on. Amazing. And with the all-new 15,000-square-foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami, they'll handle cases all over the state of Florida. So call now with 24-7 service for free. How much? For the free, Juice. A free consultation. That's 1-855-5000-LAW. Or find them online at onecalllegal.com. Bach, you had a a heck of a six-year career in the league, man, and you retired from playing and you win the, the coaching side of things, which is, you know, it was smart because you're a smart player, tough player. You know, you can you're motivate guys to go out there with your hard-nosed approach. Talk about what that was like, and particularly your, your first year as a head coach uh, for FXFL with the Brooklyn Bolts. That, that was a pretty good opportunity. Um, the, the basic concept of the league was is instead of playing in the spring – Let's have let's have another league that plays in the fall and serves as a develop developmental league for the NFL. So basically, we had four teams. So we're talking about the top 140 players that were on the street. Is the kids that we had, you know, in camp. And I make a deal with the commissioner. I said, look, I'll be the head coach, but I want to hold training camp at my golf course in Parkland. <laughs> And we can all we can put everybody up at the Marriott. So even Steve Spurrier hasn't been able to pull that off. So I had training camp down here in Coral Springs in Parkland, Florida, and we go up there. Now I had only hired my friends, so I hired James Brown, I hired Amen. Marvin Jones, I hired Kelvin Kinney. Everyone on my staff and Joey Smith, everyone on my staff had played in New York either for the Bills. Giants or the Jets. And so we go out and play in Brooklyn. And the greatest thing about it was, is we were the underdogs of the league because supposedly none of us had former head coaching. 
you know, and, and you had all these other ex-NFL guys were all coaching the other teams, and we had the best time of our lives up there. We ran the table. You know, we were even on ES- You guys were undefeated? Yeah, we went undefeated. Wow. And then we were even on ESPN because we scored 21 points in 17 seconds in the fourth quarter to take the win. Wow. How does that happen? Uh, let's see here. We had a... Uh, and that is no, there's no kid, play. There's no 21-point play that you were in. There. No, no. <laughs> I think... Different rules in different leagues. It was like it, it was like our defense forced fumble in for a touchdown, kickoff, forced fumble, touchdown, next play, interception, touchdown. Wow. So it was 17 seconds. That's good coaching. That was like that, that was coaching. You're the head guy, but were you you know were you on the defensive side that much, or do you no, take credit I, for those scores? Or <laughs> no, I don't take any. I take credit. I take credit to, credit for the attitude of my players is what that's I what take that, credit for, yeah. and that's what a head coach does. Right. But what's funny is is we gave up a touchdown. In my 10 year old son, he's 14 now, but since the time he was five, he's he's been with me to every college all star game that I've coached. I've coached in seven college all star games, and he spends a week with me, meetings, everything else. So he's 10 years old at the time. And we give up a score at halftime. And I didn't see what happens because I'm a front seven guy. I'm not a coverage person. You know, I pay more attention to the front seven. And I let my DB coaches and everybody else do that. And so we give up a score and I'm upset walking in. And my son texts me because the game was on ESPN. My son texts me. He goes, hey, dad, your safety doesn't come out. Didn't come off the hash and cover two. He's 10 years old. old. No. So I go in the locker room, and I go to my, my three ex-NFL players. I go, now, my kid just told me the safety didn't come off the hash and cover two. Is he right? Goes, yep, coach. He's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, the Steelers signed the kid. Wow. So, yeah. Your kid? No. <laughs> yeah, not yet. My kid's got a long way to go. I don't know. It sounds like he's doing pretty well. He's ready well. to go. He's ready to go. Yeah, it's scouting or coaching for sure. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you mentioned James Brown and the Jets a couple of times. There was a story. Did you were you on that team that Everett MacGyver was also on? Yes, I was. <laughs> there was a story I had heard. and Maybe you can tell us this story. And it just popped into my head. But Everett decided that he was going to teach Bruce Smith the lesson. Oh, <laughs> yep. That's one of the best stories ever. You know, <laughs> that was an awesome now, one. Now, Buffalo had cut me the year before. So, so ever, and, and I'm sorry, John, I just asked you to, to tell the story, but Everett MacGyver was a uh, – tell us a little bit about Everett because I know you played with him with the Jets and here in Miami. Yes, yes. Everett MacGyver was, a, was an offensive lineman from a small school, big guy, athletic, weak as hell, though. I mean, he couldn't even <laughs> bench press 315 pounds. But he wanted to be a great player, and he's more famous probably for getting his throat stabbed by Michael Irvin. Right. We all remember that. Right. The right. haircut incident. Yeah, right. the haircut That's incident. Right. But, in Dallas. So Buffalo had cut me the year before, and uh, we go play Buffalo, and, we're in, and we have a couple really – we had a good kickoff return. We had a couple good plays, and we're inside the 30. And first play, we run away, and, you know, Everett just cuts off Bruce. And in the second play, Everett's got him, and Bruce trips. And Everett pounds him into the ground. <laughs> so Bruce Smith's not happy. So now it's third down or whatever it is. And you in, never want to start a play when Bruce Smith's not happy. And, and Everett goes to Bruce. It's going to be like that all day, bitch. <laughs> all day it's going to be like that. So it's it's this is Boomer Esiason's last play in the National Football League. By the way, is the next play. I say something. About you'll learn to respect so the, me. So, so the crowd noise gets up, and Everett flinches in his stance, and because the crowd noise is so loud, nobody can hear the refs blow the whistle. Boomer gets knocked out cold. I mean, he looked like a chalk outline in a murder scene. Uh, Bruce pushes off to him, and the only thing he says is this. He walks up to Everett and goes, you will learn to respect me. <laughs> He's that so was, regal with it, isn't man, it? That is, that is the last play Boomer Esiason ever played in the National wow. Football League. Wow. Thank you, Everett. 
Yeah, and so Boomer <laughs> should thank Everett for an incredible broadcasting Correct. career that Correct. Boomer's had. Fo- right so to you, the boot. <laughs> so you were on that line? Yeah, just playing center. Oh, my God. That I heard great. that story. I'm so glad that I, I couldn't recall, and I, I should have researched it before before we got in here, but you started naming all the guys. So you were probably on that team. Oh, what's funny, though, is that Jets heavy, team heavy. right there is we had four offensive linemen. Uh, we all four of us started. Cal Dixon, James Brown, Everett Cal MacGyver, Dixon. and me all started for the Jets in 95. We were all a dolphin in '96. How did that work out? <laughs> well, the doll, it didn't work out too well for the Jets. They went one in fifteen. <laughs> right, that's right. That's crazy. Man, that's good stuff, man. We never mess with Bruce Smith, though. No. You, gotta, you gotta let him sleep, man. Let him just marinate over there. Don't, don't like wake him up. He's already day, bringing it like that. There's two players you don't mess with in this when I when and during our era. One was Bruce Smith, and the other was White Reggie White. Reggie White. No matter how you were doing against Reggie. You say, great job, Reggie. Great job. Go back to the huddle. Because <laughs> yes, Reggie, yes, Reggie had a gear. Mm-hmm. Reggie had a gear you couldn't take it to. Right. 400 sacks between those two guys. I mean, that's unheard of. And just crazy strength from both of those guys, man. And Bruce, I mean, both of them could run. I mean, big guys that could, that, that could run. So, you know, cutting somebody off is, is one thing forever. But, man, to be like on the point of attack and things like that would be pretty difficult. I was guys. in camp with Buffalo one time, and I saw something I've never seen before. Bruce lined up in a five technique and beat the left guard inside. <laughs> got to, You got to diagram that for yeah, us. I don't even know how that listen. works. Yeah. <laughs> explain he explain he what that like, means. He, he looked like the Flash. He was lined up on the outside. He was out, lined up outside the tackle, and he beat the guard inside to hit the quarterback in the head. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's that's good. That's there, speed, man. but people don't realize Bruce Smith wasn't very big. He was only two hundred and fifty-three pounds. Yeah, it's so he's come to our golf tournaments with the Jason Taylor Foundation because he and JT have a great uh, relationship, and and you can only imagine how much JT respects him playing that same position and now being on the same team in, in the Hall of Hall Fame. Of fame yeah. But uh, I always thought that Bruce was just this monstrous guy, and and don't get me wrong, like to me he is, but compared to what some of these other guys in the league look like, he was not the giant that you would think he is. I saw him one time in New York walking with Charles Oakley, basketball player. And I always thought Bruce was a monstrous guy, but Charles Oakley made him look small because, for one, Charles is 6'9 or 6'10 or sure. whatever. And uh, But it looked Bruce looked like a, I wouldn't say a little man, because I'm, I'm a little man compared to him, but you're <laughs> right, though. But just his attitude, strength, and quickness was just unbelievable. And I know him, he and Richmond had some pretty epic battles at times, too. Well, which is another Richmond discussion Webb. everybody should have, is why is Rich, Richmond Webb in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. You think about the defensive ends Richmond had to play against during that stretch. It's unheard Derek, of. Uh, Derek Thomas. Thomas, yeah. You know, Bruce Smith. The, who was the guy from Carolina? Kevin, Kevin uh, Green. Oh, Kevin, Kevin Green. Yeah, and think about his, the guys Greg from Lloyd, the Jets. Greg Lloyd, Hugh, those boys. Hugh, yeah. Hugh Douglas. Yeah. I mean, you, you go, down, all the, the time, you go yeah. down the list. It, how about all the guys in Oakland that we we played Oakland every year? So you had those great ends out there. So, I mean, Webb, Webb's got a heck of a case for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He, he should. He, he should does. anyway. It's unfortunate that he's not in that conversation. We'll get him there. Yeah, we have to. working on it. Yeah, he needs to be. Well, Bach, really appreciate you coming in, man. I knew that there would be some good stories. I didn't know they would be that good. Oh, so good. Um, I love and, it. And I feel like we probably could do another <laughs> podcast, Juice, if we just do, do the all-fighting podcast That's with right. John Bach. That's we, right. we can have the sap story in then. Well, that, oh, well hey, we might as well. Yeah, you know what? It. We got a little extra time because I love to hear a good warm sap story. I would love story. to hear a sap story. Okay, I'll, I'll tell it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I think now's the time. So, again, I'm angry that they brought in Gogan, you know, because I was thinking that those jobs were mine no matter what. And they paid Gogan. I mean, we paid $17 million for guards, and I'm making minimum, and I want to beat all three of those guards out. That would piss you off a little so bit. So I'm all hot and bothered, and, and, and we're, pl- we're practicing against Tampa down here. And Sap's hooting and hollering. I go, well, you're just happy Miami's finally in the top 20 for the first time. <laughs> 
Sap, I'm sure he loved that. So Sap goes off on me. It's one-on-ones now. Sap, Sap goes off on me and, and where'd you go? Blah, blah, blah. You piece of shit. I go, we were ninth and we were higher than you when I was there. I go, you, let's go. I go, you and me. So we go. I take a pass set and I just slipped him and put him right on his face. He didn't even get out of his shoes. <laughs> and I so he's all mad. And I start getting on him. I go, you just got beat by a nobody. <laughs> I go, come on now. I go, you need another shot at this, right? I go, you're not gonna go home like this, are you? So we go again one on ones. I do the same thing. Set set him the other way. Dropped him right on his face. He didn't even get off the ball. We start pushing and shoving a little bit. Everything gets in. So then we go to team. We go. Or we go to nine on seven. Blit or uh, twist pickup. And he comes in and they try to run a twist. He tries to blow me up and i catch him under the chin with my helmet <laughs> that's the last i saw him all day <laughs> i love hearing that yeah you know sap you know i remember those those workouts against other teams talk about san diego those and were in orlando right did we go up to orlando i think they came to us that did it come to us oh, that, that year was here we, but we every year we orlando went there too yeah and we also went to tampa that year and then yeah. the guys all snuck out to uh the, to the strip club whatever i don't know what you're <laughs> talking about and all, the, and all the coaches were there yeah the coaches <laughs> said don't go there mons venus <laughs> right and next thing you know it was 15 guys at the strip club yeah well you guys can talk about that one for sure but seriously john Thank you so much for coming into the tank. It was great having you in here. I think that for listeners, you know, the hardcore fans are going to say, oh, I remember John Bach. He was scrappy and what have you. And then there's the guys, uh, it, you know, what do they call those? Uh, the Trinity Christians that only go to church in the three big holidays. You got the Dolphin fans that really only know the three or four players. Right. I think that they're going to know who John Bach is now. So it was great having you here in the tank. Really appreciate it. Uh, special thanks to all of our sponsors that were supporting the show. DJ Preach. Got things, got incredible sound this that's time right, around. That's right. Got to thank him and uh, and always my co-host here, OJ McDuffie. Appreciate you, Big Seth. Thanks for diving in, John. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank, Celebrate big or cry hard. Leave it all on the field. We gon' try hard. Old school, a new school. Mix it in. Feeling like we up close when we listening. Dolphins tales in Miami is the deep end. We vibing with our favorite players. No secret. We get with Seth and McDuffie, bringing up stories we never heard to the public. Bet we love it. Dolphins fans never budget. We loyal to the team. Whether happy or we upset, we be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about the fans. And if you ready for that water, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans. And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans. You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive, dive in. in. Fish tank. Go get your aqua orange. Yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rapping with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank. Don't ever add a token, but the devil in the fish tank.